0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Okay, thank you. So um, I'm going to read, now I'm going to give you the message. Uh, I'm going to read Philippians 4, uh, verse 6 and 7. It says, Don't be anxious for nothing. Okay, that should be right there like, oh, that's a disturbing (laughs) statement. Very disturbing. And we all know this. This is why I wanted to talk about this because this is really relevant to our lives more and more. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a couple of famous verses. So first I want to say, is God designed us for joy. That is the absolute biblical truth. In his presence is fullness of joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so God's designed us. He's actually, neuroscience has proven that the brain has been wired for joy. That's how the brain works at its optimum. Is is joy? Is when the brain has joy, it works the best. Well, what? So this is what the Bible is. see. Worry or anxiousness. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna use the word worry. Worry. Why the Bible says is the Bible's very clear on this thing about worry. It goes. Jesus goes after it. Paul goes. After, it says, "Don't worry about anything." That's what the Bible teaches. Don't worry. Everybody in this room is guilty of disobeying this scripture, aren't you? <laughs> Multiple times a day, on most days, we're at least tempted to worry, you know, and most of us walk right into worry. That's the that's the, human, the human thing. but the, the reason the Bible tells us not to worry because worry is a thief and a killer. It will destroy you because you you're not designed for. It's like a, a foreign thing coming into you coming into your heart, coming into your thinking, that ultimately will create toxic, make you toxic on the inside, okay? And create this toxic inside thinking. One of the things that I've discovered about me is sometimes I, get, I, f- I feel like I get too heavy. You know what I'm talking about? i, I, I like, oh, I don't want to be heavy. I don't want to walk around burdened all the time because I think Jesus said my burden is light, And my yoke is easy. And so, if I'm living my life doing what God's called me to do, and I'm all burdened about it all the time, I feel like there's something wrong with me. Okay? So, I had to, I'm really being intentional about joy. Okay? Uh, You know, some people have a difficulty with the phrase choosing joy. Well, here's, I, I have no issue with that because joy has chosen us. Okay, joy has already chosen us. It's chosen us to be a part of us, to work in our life. And when we think about being joyous, we, ha- we do have to be intentional because God has always gives us choice. Okay, he always gives us a choice in everything. I-, I wish I'd have known that when I was raising my kids. Like, okay, here's your choices. You can do this, and everything's going to be cool. But if you don't do it, everything's not going to be cool. You know, but I'll let you decide which way you want to go. And teach them about choices and consequences in their life. I didn't do that. I just, you know, would try to force them. Yet that doesn't work. That's very terrible. That's terrible parenting. Because that's not how the Father parents us. He gives us choices. And I think one of the choices in our life is, you know, I think, you know, joy is one-third of the kingdom of God. One-third of it. One, that's a lot because the kingdom is a lot. So it's something God wants us to engage more. But worry, worry will destroy joy. Worry will, 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 There's no room in your heart for joy when it's full of worry and anxious thoughts. And, so the, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is relational. Okay? Joy is relational. That's how joy works. It's, you know, in His presence is fullness of joy. God's always glad for us to be in His presence, and we're always glad to be in the presence of the lord when i'm and I'm, when I'm talking about that, i 'm talking about the manifest presence of the Lord, the felt presence, right because you know god's everywhere and but many times we're not aware of it uh, but there's moments when God wants us to be very aware, and that brings so much joy to us. Amen, Amen. okay, what is worry worry listen to this i'm Worry involves repeatedly thinking about what could go wrong. It is an anticipation of failure, difficulty, and turmoil. Worry focuses on the, on the what-ifs and worst-case scenarios. That's what it's put its focus on. So you see, worry is a focus. Worry is, is, is zeroes in. Okay, Worry always seems the worst in, every, in any given situation. Always. Worry never assumes the best. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worry. When we worry, this is what Becky and I tip remind each other of often. When we get into worry, we're actually living out this worst case scenario that may or may not happen. We're actually living it before we, like if I'm worried about tomorrow, I'm actually living tomorrow today. I'm I'm being consumed by what's going to happen tomorrow that may or may not happen. In fact, here's a survey by the AMA, and I'm not sure they're standing anymore, but. At one time, they had good standing. They revealed in a study that 90% of our worries are about things that do not take place 87% of the time. Did y'all get that? 90% of the things we worry about don't happen 87% of the time. So we're being consumed by something that doesn't even happen the majority of the time. It only happens 13% of the time. That's destructive. That's very destructive. Here's another thing I got out of the... uh, This came from just a medical hospital. Constant worry can drain your emotional resilience and lead to feelings of restlessness, nervousness, and inability to focus. Additionally, it can cause ailments such as insomnia, headaches, heart and digestive problems, tense muscles, inflammation, and sexual... And immune system disorders. That's pretty serious. All from this thing called worry. And that's why the Bible says don't worry about anything. Nothing. That's pretty pretty significant. And we don't really know the cost of worry in terms of life. We don't know the cost of worry in terms of our jobs, in terms of what God's called us to do, in terms of our finances, that's in terms of our relationships with our family. We don't know the high costs that humans pay when they're consumed by worry we don't we can't really see that. We just see the results of broken family and brokenness and loss of, of finances, loss of vision, loss of dreams, loss of ministry. you name it families are broken apart over it because because at the root we're worrying and it's causing us all these other issues in life which creates Problems. It's, it's like a compounding thing. Do y'all get this? Well, I hope so. I do. Let me read this verse here. I love this, y'all. Uh, this is Jesus talking. We all know this, but this is so sweet, man. This is sweet. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. Those are three necessary and legitimate things that we all need. Right? Okay, so here's what Jesus is right now telling us about worry. Worry attaches its, itself to legitimate needs. It, it attaches itself to what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what, our homes, our finances, our relationships. It, that's what he, he's giving us. He's, Jesus is warning us. Worry is going to try to attach itself to those things and get you focused on those things. Okay? For, all, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. That's the world for us. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he's saying these are legitimate. And these needs are not going to go away in your life. You're going to always need to eat. You're always going to need to drink something. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to need clothes. You know, you're going to need to have a roof over your head. You're going to need finances to take care of yourself and take care of your family. You're going to need all of that. And Jesus is saying, the Father knows this. These are, these are normal. These are healthy. There's nothing bad about these needs. I, I'm trying to figure this out. Okay? Y'all's look. Y'all are disturbing me. But, but, so there's this revelation in here about the Father. That he's very aware. Oh, I, I, let me just say, this is off the mark a little bit. But I just love in the book of Revelation Jesus standing in the midst of the churches. You know, in the midst of the lamb stamps, it says, but those in the, and then he explains those, are, that Jesus is very aware. If it's his church, he's in the middle, he, he's here, he's, and he's aware of everybody's situation. He's aware of everybody's, by everybody's desire and everybody's needs. He's, you know, it's like he's not a detached father. He's not a distracted father. He's not a father that comes home from work at the end of the day, tired and wore out, and, and, and yells at his kids and is mean to his wife and, and dis- has disconnected himself from his family. That's not how he works. And, and a lot of dads do that, not because they're bad dads, but because they wore themselves out trying to provide for their family and, and provide these legitimate needs. And they've wore themselves into the ground trying to, to do what they have to do. Um, you know, I just remember when I went to Cuba one time and realizing what those people go through just to have a meal every day. They spend their days trying to gather food to eat. That's, that's how they're, they're occupied. And, you know, they didn't seem too worried about it. That was the thing that really shocked me about them. They weren't, you know, they weren't wringing their hands about what were they going to eat tomorrow. They were figuring out what they were going to eat their next meal. Isn't that something? So Jesus said, "See." Then he said, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own tr- troubles. So here's the thing. Years ago. <laughs> This was a great revelation for me about this. Um, have you ever watched those? Well, Becky and I have been watching these YouTubes of all-inclusive resorts. Is it, some of y'all have gone to them, right? You go and you, everything's there. You know, like you go to the beach and they got the beach. They got all these restaurants. You just go and just, it's all there. You don't have to do anything but just show up. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. He's not, listen, y'all. He's not saying, if you seek my kingdom first, then you will get these things. He's saying, if you seek the kingdom, within the kingdom is all your needs. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And I know this is not a great, the greatest of pictures, but it really is like an all-inclusive resort. The kingdom is. Everything that we need as human beings is in the kingdom. And that's why Jesus says you've got to go after that first. You've got to make that your focus and pursue that, be intentional about that. And then your needs that you desperately need, your legitimate needs, are going to be met because in the kingdom they're in there. Did y'all get that? That was a huge shift in thinking for me. Because I always used to think that read this well, if I'll if I just seek the kingdom first, God's going to take care of me, He'll add these things. Until I realized that's not what it says. The kingdom is inclusive. Arthur Burritt had this saying, the greater includes the lesser. But the lesser does not necessarily include the, the greater. In other words, the greater is the kingdom. The kingdom includes your finances, it includes your relationship, it includes your shelter, it includes all these aspects of life. And if you'll seek the kingdom, those things will be part of it. But if you just seek those things or whatever you're worrying about, whatever you're going after, whatever you feel concerned about in the future, if you seek after that, that is necessarily not going to bring the kingdom into your life. And that's why Jesus said you, you can't worry. And that's why Paul elaborated on this worry thing. And Americans are consumed with worry. I remember this guy, Suppressor. Remember Suppressor? Remember? Oh, Suppressor was crazy. He was from Africa, and he was just a really skinny black guy, and that was what I remember him right Marley, real skinny I mean but he was this guy hadn't he was a powerhouse he was a, he was a miracle guy. I mean, he saw a ma- a positive but he needed to see miracles where he came from where did he, what country was he from South Africa but- Amer- he, this is what he said he came we went and heard him preach one night. remember that. This is what he said. He said, Here, Here's what I see. You Americans have everything. He said, But you're the most medicated and drug people in the world and most unhappy people in the world. That's what he said. He said, That's what I see about American people. You got everything, you're a know, land of plenty, but you're consumed with worry and anxiety, and you're over medicated. That was an admonishment. It really was an admonishment. It's kind kind of rough, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let me read Philippians 4:10. Are y'all with me so far? Everybody good? Yeah. Listen. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Another word for care there in many translations is concern. So, first Paul says, don't worry about anything. Okay, but then down here he talks about these people having a concern for him. So what the Bible does, what the Bible, what God does, God realizes that there's a difference between worry and godly concern. God has made room in our life to have concerns about things. Okay, are you following this? This is really important because that's where we have to go with things. We don't go to worry, we go to concern. In other words, if, if your child is going astray or do, hanging out with bad people or doing stuff, you're, you're going to get worried and assume, oh, they're gonna, something terrible is going to happen to them. That's worry. No, they're, they're hanging around. I'm concerned about this. I need to see. Here's, here's kind of the difference. Worry has no solution. It doesn't even look for a solution. It just keeps over and over in, in, the, in your mind the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario. Where a concern looks at it and says, oh, I need to find a solution to this. Uh, worry says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the Lord. I'm going to do what, my part. But at the end of the day, I had to trust the Lord with my child. At the end of the day, I had to trust the Lord with my job situation. I had to let go of this because I'm not meant to carry this. Are you following me? God didn't design me to carry this. And if I carry it long enough, it's going to begin to erode who I am on the inside. It's going to begin to rob me of my true identity. It's going to steal my joy. It's going to bring me into a place where the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down. No, anxiety creates depression. And that's why Americans are taking medicine not to be depressed. Now, I'm not saying that's a wrong thing. I'm just saying, as suppressors told us, there's too much of that going on over here. Because you've allowed the worry about things to be your focus and, and, and eat you up on the inside. Does any of you wake up in the middle of the night worrying about anything? Yeah, I'm sure you do, especially if you watch the news. Oh, my gosh. You will wake up like, what? where can I move to? Used to be, you know, I move, you know, people moved back in my day to Canada to avoid the draft, right? That was a big deal when I was coming along. You know, they'd run away. and Now it's a complete, yeah, mm-hmm. Worry has an attitude that I must do everything possible to make this thing right, figure it out, and it's on me to make it happen. It's on me. And God never meant you to carry that. You, in fact, you can't carry it. You were not designed to carry it. Are y'all all right so far? Oh, yes, I'm doing great, man. I'm talking about time-wise. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Don't worry, be happy. Remember that? I went to a certain uh, appointment this, this week and the receptionist was really in a bad place. And her boss was really not giving, being nice to her. And so I said, hey, you know, what kind of hobbies do you have? She said, hobbies? What's that? I said, you know, do you ever have fun? Like fun? What's that? I said, you need to have some fun. And I said, you know, your brain was created for joy. God made us for joy. And she just looked at me with this blank look on her face, like genuinely did not know what I was talking about. Everything was negative. And that's what much of the world is. And it's really not right. And that's what a lot, of the church, a lot of the church has become that, y'all, in the past few years. We are burdened about our nation. And we should be very concerned about our nation. But we can't get into anxiety and worry about the future of our nation because, because the Bible says don't worry about it. Okay, and and so he so here he gives this answer, in uh, uh, six again. I'm going to read it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So, here's the thing that I try to practice when I hear something distressing, something that's coming at me that makes me like feel feel emotional. Okay, I got these emotions running in me, like it's something like it was a, a, something about one of my grandkids, you know, that's bothersome to me. So the first thing to do is start getting worrying about it and start processing it in, in a worrisome way. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to immediately shift my thought to prayer, okay, because that's what it says to do. And what and this is the truth. When you worry, you don't pray, really. You may mumble some stuff. You may, you know, process some stuff, but you don't really pray. Okay? Yeah, well, you worry pray. But when you pray, that will begin, because it says it right here. This is how you handle worry. You pray. And here's the thing. Is, is with supplication, it means you have to be specific in your prayers instead of the worrying praying. Are you all following this? It's not a time like, oh, Lord, bless the United States of America. You know, that's a very bad prayer if you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what's going on. No, you find something specific to pray. Okay? You ask the Lord, give me a specific prayer for our country. Okay? Well, I asked the Lord for that, and he gave me a specific prayer for North Carolina. Okay? And this is what he told me to pray. He said, pray that every government official... Every education, educating leader, educational leader, and every industry leader that's in any way associated with the deep state, that they would be removed. Now, that's a, a specific prayer when I wake up. Now, here's the reason why I think it. I think God's given us authority for North Carolina. I don't feel like I have a bunch of authority for the United States as a whole. But I believe if every, in every state in our nation every county in our nation, every town in our nation, that we as believers have some say-so. And if we'd all begin just to take authority for where we're at, pray according to the will of the Lord that best you understand, and if, if the church in America would do that, then the church in America corporately together would have some authority for the nation. I really believe that. Instead of sitting around fretting over it. and You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just showed you that example. I'm not saying you should pray that way for North Carolina. I'm saying that's what the Holy Spirit told me. Because I felt like I needed something. I'd wake up like, oh my gosh. You know, what's going to What are my grandkids? What world are they going to live in? This is terrible. You know, this is, this is you know, the Nephilim are going to come back and take over America. You know, that's what I felt. Because I feel like that's, What's happening? Yeah. Um, here's something. Jesus would often people would ask, and you can do it I, like in Mark ten, for instance, two times in Mark chapter ten, people came to Jesus for for a prayer, and he specifically says, "What do you want me to do for you?" That's specific. That ain't like no remnant, well, just, Lord, just bless me. Uh, I really love you, blessing. No, I need something specific. Let me tell you this funny story exposing certain human beings. I don't mind it. So me and Marlon Magusu okay, Matthew Bollinger and Andy Squires went to this Bill Johnson conference one time. Remember that? 2007. And Bill Johnson, you know, did his preaching thing, and you know that was when he was really at his high. His ministry was like going, and he just the Lord was really had raised him up. And so at the end, you know, everybody wants to get Bill Johnson or whoever got this anointing to pray for him. Obviously, everybody's crowded around this guy. Matthew Bow, it was Matthew. Matthew decides we're going to get him to pray for us. I think no, he's not going to pray for us, Matthew. So, no, we're going up there, Byron. Remember, and Matthew Bollinger goes up there. All these people are crowded around Bill Johnson. Matthew Bollinger goes up there and just walks in the middle of all these people. I mean, basically put, not physically, but muscled his way in there. And Bill Johnson had one place he could turn when he got through talking to the person. And Matthew positioned himself right there when he turned around. He's going to be looking straight into Matthew's face. I'm kind of like, because I knew so many people. These people know me. They're not going to love me up here with these three guys doing this. you know. But you know, I'm going along with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Johnson turns around, was going to walk off, but he couldn't because Matthew Bollinger had him blocked. <laughs> You're not going nowhere, Bill Johnson. You're praying for us. And you know what Bill Johnson said? What do you want me to pray for you for specifically, right? Oh, Matthew all of a sudden went. To suddenly, he didn't know what to ask him for because he had been so intent. I was thinking, the Lord, I was at the back of the line where I had a moment to think through what I really wanted him to pray. In other words, he, he was not going to do, oh, we're going to blast you with the Holy Ghost here. No, he was saying, what do you want me to do for you? What prayer can I pray for you? Specific prayer, and that's a moment in time, okay. And so everybody came up with pretty good, pretty good stuff, right, Marlon? I remember, I remember mine. I think I remember yours. I'm not sure, Matthew. I don't think he did too good. <laughs> it, it was a little vague and broad, in my opinion. And I'm gonna tell you something. Andy Squires too. He failed. <laughs> he failed at bad. Oh gosh, Andy. Nobody, n- nobody believes you want that. I mean, that's just. That's too flowery, you know. I think me and Marlon, we, we kind of dialed in. We were, we, were, <laughs> we were towards the back. We want to make sure if we're going to get him to pray for him, we need to get something we really want, something that's really important to us. <laughs> well, that's being specific in prayer. I just thought that was beautiful. I still do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's, that's what he's saying. The peace of God will come. And we'll put a, a guard up in, in, on your mind. And so, this is a peace that's not understandable. Okay, so this is not an understandable peace. This is not a peace because the situation changed. It's the thing that you were worried about, the thing you brought before me. That may still be there, but there's this peace that comes in your heart and mind that protects you. And that's what needs to happen. We have to have a protection Because we can't stand against these cares, these things that come at us. We're incapable without that. See, the peace is the thing that really puts the guard up for us. Actually, that word guard means garrison. It means like a a fort is suddenly built around your mind and heart that doesn't allow these things at you. And everybody has to have that fort built around them. Otherwise, we're vulnerable to these Fiery darts at the devil that keeps firing at us it, is negative stuff. It really is. This is interesting. That word for uh for mind there. Do y'all see that word there? It means what you think about. Okay. What you think it means the Greek word is noema. That's the part of your mind. That's that's the part of our mind that think the thing that we process thinking. And it's the part of us, the part of our mind that's closest to the physical world. In other words, it's a part of us when something happens physically, that's the part that receives it. That's the part that sees it. That's the part that hears it and begins to process it. Does that make sense? And so we that's the part that has to be protected. I always thought it was interesting. Y'all just looking at me with a blank look. This is important. I always thought this is interesting. It's not your imagination. That it says needs to be protected. Because I always thought, i got a terrible ima- I have a, We have imagination. I've got a real powerful ma- imagination. And I always thought, this is a bad thing. Because I imagine all kinds of crazy stuff. No, it's a good thing. You just need to let the Lord have your imagination. But, but it's, it doesn't say God's going to uh, protect your imagination. He wants to protect what you think about. Because there's all these emotions attached to your thoughts. In fact, there's no thought that exists without an emotion attached to it. Every thought has an emotion, and the emotion that God wants on our thoughts is peace. So when something comes at us bad, we don't erupt and get all emotional. I hope y'all hearing this, because this is really. Paul says in second Corinthians 10:5, uh, "Taking every thought, that's the same word, every noema, captive to the obedience of Christ." That, that's what he was saying there. We have to capture those things, every thought that comes at us. And you know, a good question to ask yourself at any point in time: What are you thinking about? You know, what are you thinking about? What? How do you? What? What do you spend your mind spinning on? And and you have to if you'll become get intentional about that, and not letting just any thought have its way in your life. That's, that's what he's saying. You just can't let those thoughts have their way. You have the ability to capture them. Here's another beautiful picture of that, is in John, John 13 when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Remember that story in John 13? You know, we see that as being a servant, and that's really a, the big lesson. But also there's another more spiritual lesson. Maybe not more spiritual, but a spiritual lesson. The feet of those people... Was the thing that was closest to the earth It was the thing that was walking on the ground And Jesus says all I need to do is wash your feet If if I spoke my word to you you're clean But I need to clean your feet Your noema is your feet Your noema is what's contacted this world It has to be cleansed and it has to be protected Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? that's That's the picture of Jesus watching their face on a spiritual another spiritual application that that what we think about the thing that's co- the things that are coming to us has to be washed it has to be we had at times we had to get those things out of our thinking. Does this make sense to y'all It's so important especially when you you know in any situations a, a thing that'll help you really on this too is in in they brought it out in yesterday indirectly about dreams, especially troubling dreams. Is having people you can process with, right? Because sometimes, like you have a, a bad dream, uh, you need somebody to help you process because you're going to have emotions about it, bad emotions. I wanted to. Can I do that? Can I tell that? I want to tell you all that dream. I told everybody a dream yesterday that I had about Becky, but I didn't tell them a key part of it, which really bugged me. So years ago, I was at this men's retreat, and I had this dream, and the dream was this. I had a friend that I worked with, and he died a couple years prior, and in the dream, my friend, I'm on a beach, he comes running up, and I said, John, what are you doing here? He said, somebody is about to die, and then ran off, and left me standing there, and that was the dream. So I, get, I wake up like, what in the world? Who's about to die, Lord? In just a few minutes, I get a phone call. Actually, it was Robin McMillan. Many of y'all know Robin. We're good friends. And he said, Byron, I had a dream last night. In the dream, Becky's sister, Sharon, called me and said, Becky was killed in a car accident. Well, at that point, you can imagine how I was feeling. I wasn't feeling spiritual. I wasn't feeling I could capture anything. I was starting to like, you know, spinning. And he said, and this is what made it worse. He said, I called Becky and Sharon, her sister, answered her phone. It freaked him out. He was freaked out. So obviously he didn't say anything to them. Becky got on the phone. She was still alive. (laughs) Thank God. Well, she still is, by the way. Huh? Yeah, he told her to stay at home. Just stay at home today. I'll tell you later. (laughs) Why? Don't worry about it. Just do what I say. So, so we understood when we we talked about it. We understood this is the devil's plan, okay? This is what the devil's got a plan to kill Becky in a car accident. But God is saying, "No, that ain't happening." And and here, but here's what I, I want you two guys to take care of this in prayer. Well, see, I needed somebody else. at My whole point this morning. Is I needed somebody else to help me, okay, with that because the emotions of it was a little bit much for me, okay. So sometimes we're gonna find ourselves in situations in life that what happens, you're gonna go into emotional over, you're gonna ramp up real fast, okay, because you have these emotions that God gave you. Okay, and and because of the difficulty of searching, you may not be able to calm, calm yourself. So that's when you need someone else to join with you, to help you get to a place where you can pray specific prayers with thanksgiving. Okay? You see what I'm saying? So Becky and I do that a lot when stuff happens at the church that's disturbing to us or family situation that we get disturbed. We realize we need each other right now. We need a partner in this thing to get specific. You know? Are y'all following this? This is really important. So this will get you through these moments. There's just times where we had to process things to somebody to help us get through the moment where we can begin to pray. Clearly with the Lord and remembering the good things that God has already done in your life. That's the thanksgiving. Because that's going to be key. Because what happens is with thanksgiving, this is a, this is a fact about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like a greenhouse effect for your faith. What it does, you know, it creates this atmosphere where your faith can come alive. Okay? And that's what thanksgiving, you know, thanksgiving is like something, oh, God just desperately needs you to be thankful you know, it's like God just so, he wants you to be thankful. But at the end of the day, Thanksgiving really helps us. It really does. It gives us, I had this dream one time. And I walked into a greenhouse. And it was like, oh my, I don't know, man. It was so, it was full of oxygen and full of life. And there was all these plants. And they had tags on them. Like faith for healing. Faith for finances. All these different tags on these plants, and I realized, oh, this is the greenhouse of Thanksgiving. And that was what was over to Thanksgiving. This is what Thanksgiving. It causes your faith to come alive, and when you got faith, you can really begin to deal with. You can begin to speak out some stuff based on on the faith of God getting released in you. Does that make sense? So that's that's the whole supplication thing. Let me read two more. Verses, all good. I love this Isaiah, and then I'm going to stop. His delight. This is talking about Jesus. Isaiah 11 verse three. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not what judge by what the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Circumstances did not dictate to Jesus what he was doing. He, he tapped into something else. And that's really what, how God designed us. That's how you keep your joy. Right? Is you don't let the circumstances of the world dictate your decisions. And if you're making decisions based on fear, you, you're making the wrong decision. You know? And that's what a lot of people do. Well, I did this because I was afraid. Well, right there. You know, we, don't, we can just end the conversation. Let's, let's circle back on that and get get in front of the fear thing and then decide Well, okay yes sir well i'm going to tell you one more verse and then i'm stopping i love this verse it's first peter five verse seven but this is the amplified classic everybody say classic don't get the new amplified it's not as good the classic is way better Listen, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Isn't that powerful? I remember one time I did this message. (laughs) It probably didn't work that good. I thought it worked great. So I had everybody write down a care that they had, a serious thing that they were worried about, something that was going. I said, let's write it right at the beginning. I gave everybody a piece of paper. Write what what it is on a piece of paper. And I did the whole message, and I did a whole not this, but mainly on that. Now we're going to cast that piece. We're going to take that piece of paper and ball it up, and we're going to cast it on the Lord. And that word cast literally means hurl to unload it, like hurling like a baseball pitcher or a football quarterback, throwing out, getting rid of that football. You know, you've seen them, this 350-pound guy coming at this 200-pound quarterback, and he's right in his face, and right at the last second, the quarterback releases the ball before the guy hits him. Let's do it like that, and let's throw this stuff on the Lord and walk out of here and leave it there. And and we did that. And some people actually told me later, it really help them with some major issues in life. Because the Lord affectionately cares about us, number one. And number two is the Lord will take those cares and care for them for you. Because that's what he wants to do. It's like, okay, let me do the worrying for you. I will carry this load. You get to do the light stuff. I do the heavy stuff. That's what it's telling. God will carry the heavy in for you he really will and we have to and I'm telling you we have to allow this we have to be intentional about this we have to go after this but I think we're living in an age where we, where we must do this we must do this because we will be consumed with what's going on in the world if we don't learn how to do this with the Lord because the world may not get better if, maybe not, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better you know it probably is because it's the world That's what worlds do. Worlds go down without Jesus. Right? And let me just tell you another thing, y'all. This is the end. Our greatest thing that God has given us is the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of God is the answer for the world. That's the power we have. It really is. That's the power. That's the great weapon that we have. That Jesus Christ died happens to be alive and he happens to be risen as paul said far above all principalities powers rulers and dimension not just a little bit above them but far above them meaning he's got far greater power than they do he really does and that's really how if we want to win the culture war that's the win That's the ultimate win. Now, there's a lot lot more to that. There's a lot more practical things, etc., that people feel they should do and should do. I mean, obviously they should. But at the end of the day, as believers, we got the name of Jesus. we got the blood of Jesus. And we got the gospel of the kingdom of God. We are heavily armed people. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.